Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspectives on the latest news in the industry, bringing you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and the industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, valuation, and pitching investors. Why would we take on such a challenge? Well, we've helped launch 80 companies into the cannabis industry here at Canopy Boulder and made over 100 individual investments into these companies. So you might say we have the inside line on things. So join us as we take you deeper into legal cannabis and uncover all the nuances of starting up and investing in the cannabis industry. Hi there, my name is Patrick Ray. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Canopy Boulder. And today we're going to be talking about the 10 questions that investors need to know the answers to about investing in the cannabis industry before they start making investments. Um, you know, investing in the cannabis industry is not easy. And um, there's a lot of good reasons for that. Uh, this is a new industry, still very early. Uh, it's constantly changing, shifting, and developing in ways that uh, many folks, even in the industry with a lot of experience, don't uh, don't predict. Um, you know, the assumptions of yesterday are often out of date and not applicable tomorrow. Um, there are a lot of bad investment opportunities out there, uh, more than good ones. Um, so it's not. It's, it's, it's not hard to understand why a lot of investors are reluctant to take the plunge and go from being cannabis curious investors to actual cannabis business investors. And uh, that is something we very much understand having spoken with thousands of investors since we launched uh, back in 2013 about investing in the cannabis industry. Um, so what we wanted to do today was just really highlight those 10 things that we think uh, are good primers uh, from a knowledge base that every investor should know about. So let's get to it. So one of the questions uh, that an investor should know and at least have an understanding of is when will the U.S. legalize cannabis at the federal level? You know, in the past, the answer of in about five years has been the standard answer we constantly hear from industry leaders, but every year it's the same answer in about five years. Uh, kind of like the answer to what day of the week most diets begin, which is tomorrow, uh, always. And likely the most honest answer is that the cannabis legalization movement is moving faster than we ever imagined. Um, we have uh, a mentor uh, at the University of Colorado who's a data scientist who's been working with another data scientist to model legalization and a few years had, ago had predicted 2021. But a lot has changed since then. Uh, Epidiolex, uh, a product of um, uh, GW Pharma, uh, was just rescheduled from Schedule 1 to Schedule 5, um, which is uh, opening up a lot of interest on the pharmaceutical and pure medical, acute medical space. Um, with success there. And we also have the Farm Bill uh, in process right now uh, to be reviewed and hopefully passed in short order that would uh, change, reschedule or deschedule hemp and CBD products. 
Of course, with Trump, uh, the world is much less predictable and uh, disruption is the norm. Uh, change is a constant in the cannabis industry and understanding that is important. Um, so uh, sooner than you think is generally the best answer because that's what we've experienced in all legalization processes up to date. Question two, what are the unique risks of investing in the cannabis industry for investors? You know, businesses that quote unquote touch the plant, uh, and I'm talking about state licensed cultivators, extractors, processors, manufacturers, distributors, and dispensaries are still federally illegal. Um, they are trafficking in a schedule one substance and risk violating federal law every single day of the week. Now, ancillary products and services uh, could be considered aiding and embedding uh, an illegal industry, but practically both business types operate in a gray area between federal and state law. History will show that the larger your investment grows and the closer it operates to end consumers, the more likely you are to be targeted for enforcement action and made an example of. Um, and we've seen that in the industry already. You know, it cannot be we like uh, to say that we are uh, not betting on race horses as opposed to what we're doing is investing in the race tracks, right? We're investing in the infrastructure of the cannabis industry, data, software, tech, media, uh, focused on the business business needs of the businesses. And, um, you know, uh, I think that there are risks everywhere, but um, it's like jaywalking or uh, driving five miles per hour over the speed limit. The enforcement priority is definitely something that an investor uh, should consider when investing in the cannabis industry and, uh, you know, make that decision personally about what their risk tolerance is. Uh, we like to say, you know, we don't want our investors showing up in orange jumpsuits and we don't think we look good in orange jumpsuits. So we're trying to invest in uh, industries or sectors that uh, have more legal cover than the businesses that touch the plant directly. Question three, what is IRS code 280E? Um, if you are not aware, uh, IRS code 280E is the bane of the existence of many uh, operators in the cannabis industry, and specifically many dispensary owners. Um, 280E says that cannabis uh, growers, processors, and dispensaries cannot deduct expenses from their income, except for cost of goods when calculating taxes. So they are paying taxes on gross profit as opposed to net profit. In essence, this means that uh, businesses that touch the plan often get really creative with their accounting and to and pay their federal tax bill. Um, we've seen many accounting uh, schemes, I guess, as you might say, uh, might describe them, that uh, we are concerned about matching up with or passing through an audit. Um, and I think there's a lot of risk out there because of 280E and these schemes. Uh, you know, what does that mean? In Colorado, there are multiple hundred million dollar vertically integrated businesses that touch the plant. That means they have cultivation, processing, and dispense, dispensing. And they are barely turning a profit because of the high 280E costs and also the high cost of compliance mandated by the state. Um, so uh, investor beware. Question four, uh, can companies get bank accounts and do they have to deal only in cash? Uh, you know, banking cannabis cash is a real issue. Banks are reluctant to bank cannabis cash out of fear of losing their federal deposit insurance and violating federal banking rules. Uh, 
these rules are not that they cannot accept cannabis cash accounts, but that if they do, they must file uh, SARS reports, suspicious activity reports, for all the transactions related to that uh, cannabis cash account. Um, this gets expensive. You know, considering the compliance liability and expense, most banks choose to pass on banking the marijuana industry. Um, that being said, uh, the number of banks that are actively banking the industry, of reported banking the industry, has grown from about 30 banks to over 400 um, since 2014. Uh, now, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of discussion around closed loop systems, cryptocurrency, things like that. You know, as an investor, you need to dig in deeply and bring in experts uh, to understand uh, where the uh, this these uh, financial businesses are tripping up uh, on uh, fraud and uh, money laundering uh, issues, um, and how viable they are long term if we see federal legalization. Question five: Is it too early to invest? You know, the industry will never be smaller than it is today. At least that's our belief at Canopy Boulder. Uh, though good opportunities to invest in the industry will exist for decades to come, the opportunities of today are ripe for investors looking to make alternative investments in high-growth industries. Um, most of the investment opportunities are in companies that would be considered too small uh, or medium-sized businesses for many. Uh, we like to say it's a startup industry uh, where most of the businesses are not yet at scale and still in a growth or startup phase. Um, in addition, with the federal laws as they are, large multinational publicly traded companies are either prohibited or are choosing not to compete in the cannabis industry. And this leaves ample white space for entrepreneurs with cannabis startup companies to launch and grow rapidly into. So who are the biggest players? You know, there are no, I'll make the argument that there's no major successful companies in the cannabis industry today. I know that's a big statement and it often will fly in the face of the headlines that we see in the news. Um, but again, there are only a handful of $100 million in revenue businesses in the cannabis industry today. That's changing. Um, but, uh, you know, we measure success not on the amount of money that a company has raised, but actually the performance of the business. All right. So um, we'll say that the largest companies in the cannabis industry probably haven't even been launched yet. The most successful multi-state brands can be counted on one hand. Number-wise, uh, the legal market is estimated to rake in just north of $10 billion annually, but it's growing at 30%, which is pretty darn good. Um, but let's not forget, $10 billion is about the quarterly profit of Apple. Only a handful of companies boast revenues of over $100 million annually. But if you look to Canada, there's many opportunities now, uh, many companies that have raised a lot of capital, companies um, like Canopy Growth Corporation, Aurora, and then companies in the U.S. that have gone to Canada to raise capital like uh, Ianthus, Green Thumb Industries, MedMen, Pharmacan, and others who have a good right to win in a large market in the U.S., um, so uh, it's an interesting time for sure. Uh, seven, uh, what do valuations look like? You know, valuations every day, you know, the question for us is, are the valuations moving closer to reality or further away from reality? And in Canada, there are companies that are trading at 100 times revenues. Uh, that is not close to reality. 
Um, in the U.S., comparatively, every business is on sale. And that is why we're seeing the Canadian companies, the publicly traded licensed producers who have raised capital, looking to the U.S. to make acquisitions. Because the truth is, the companies up in Canada, uh, many of them have raised more money in aggregate than the entire Canadian market will ever become worth, or we'll see, we'll see sales. So again, the Canadian companies have raised more money, uh, a larger amount of money than the industry in Canada will ever be. Um, that's why there's a lot of conversation up there around global investing. We think that most of that, those investment dollars should and will come to the United States. So we feel like, you know, there's a good opportunity for investors to make investments in the U.S. Um, so, uh, you know, and speaking to valuation, investors often apply a discount to comparable valuations. And entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry want to apply a bonus, both because they're in the cannabis industry. Uh, still, the cannabis industry is not immune to the laws of economics, so as more time passes, the valuations come closer in line with comparable companies in uh, mainstream industries. You know, and what I'll say is that in the ancillary products and services sectors, where we're investing in infrastructure plays, data, software, tech, media, uh, valuations are closer to the market standard and uh, or comparable market, mainstream market standards, uh, a little more uh, logical. Whereas businesses in the U.S. that touch the plant, valuations vary from state to state and business to business. We've seen valuations uh, range from one times last 12 months revenues, which is the going rate in Colorado where we have a very open market, to uh, 10 to 20 to 70 million dollars for licensed businesses that haven't even launched in limited licensed states. We like to say the valuations of those companies in limited licensed states are who knows what times the dream uh, all the way up to whatever you can get. Um, and there are definitely buyers out there. So uh, if you are a gambler and uh, you're comfortable with that risk, uh, winning a license and then flipping it can be something that can be quite lucrative in a short amount of time. Um, another question we get, number eight, is have there been any exits? And the answer is yes. Uh, most notably, Scott's miracle Grow has been acquiring businesses General Hydroponics for about $130 million. Um, you know, we've also seen uh, some of the big uh, publicly traded companies, multi-state operators and licensed uh, producers uh, making acquisitions. So Ianthus has acquired licenses, uh, MedMen is acquiring licenses, and then a bunch of the Canadian LPs are looking globally to acquire licenses. Uh, but in the ancillary products and services sectors, we've also seen acquisitions. Vivid Grow acquired one of our portfolio companies, WeGrow, and Next Frontier Data, a uh, publishing company, acquired Hemp Business Journal, another company that was launched out of the Canopy Boulder Accelerator. Uh, question nine, um, how do uh, politics in DC affect the industry? It, it's, it's a great question and something that you know, we've been tracking for quite some time ever since we started in the cannabis industry. And, and you know, I think the reality is that you know, it, DC politics can really sway, turn, turn sort of the, the winds of the industry. Um, it can inspire confidence or expire, inspire fear in the minds of entrepreneurs and investors. But if we step back and look at the longer trend line, uh, D.C. is having a limited impact on legalization in the United States, uh, which has followed a state-by-state -state experimental project, more of a federalist approach, 
um, where I think we're now going to start seeing alignment with uh, the federal government uh, for legalization. And what I'd say is that uh, back in 2014, you know, or the, the, the legalization calculus has changed dramatically uh, since we started in 2013. It was in 2014 that Florida just nearly failed to pass medical marijuana legalization. Um, and that was in a midterm election, right? And out of that uh, near miss came a belief with, from the experts and the pundits that cannabis was only a presidential election cycle uh, vote right, an issue. And so if you were putting it, uh, legalization initiative or, or ballot measure on the, on the ballot, it, when it wasn't in a presidential election cycle where you have a higher turnout of younger uh, voters, uh, the chances of it passing were very low. You know, fast forward a couple years to just recently, Oklahoma legalized on a primary ballot. So the world is changing. Uh, that's why I go back to when are we going to see federal legalization earlier, and I say sooner than you think. And the last thing is, uh, do I need to be a U.S. citizen to invest in the cannabis industry? And the answer is no. Uh, uh, investment in ancillary businesses is open to any qualified investor, regardless of citizenship. Uh, Non-U.S. investors will need to register for and provide a U.S. tax ID number but we're seeing more and more interest from international investors into the cannabis industry. So those are the 10 things that we believe are a baseline understanding that cannabis investors should make sure they understand uh, specifically before they start making investments into the cannabis space. You know, the last bit, as a bit of a bonus, um, I'll talk a little bit about um, how to understand well, whether or not you should be feeling confident and qualified to make investments in the space on your own. So um, like any early stage investor, you know, are you looking at a high volume of deals? So I think I mentioned before for our last, this current cohort we're in, we looked at and had requests from nearly 300 companies, of which we did a deeper review on over 100 to make 10 investments. So volume is a real factor in understanding good opportunities and sorting them out from the bad. Are you doing proper due diligence? You do have a distinct process where you're looking at factors uh, like target addressable market, uh, progress, team quality, the timing of the investment and then the actual concept. Are you able to tap into a network of experts to fill in the gaps where your expertise falls short for specific investments? You know, um, do you understand the nuances of the market, right? There are definitely sectors um, or segments of the industry where equity investments make no sense, but debt is a much better play. So do you understand where and how you should be investing? And do you have prior experience? You know, are you coming to the cannabis industry with experience with early stage investing? Do you understand the risks? Are you allocating the right amount, not too little, not too much, of your overall portfolio to investing here. So if you can answer those questions and feel confident, then that's great. If not, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to us, uh, Canopy Boulder. Uh, go to canopyboulder.com and click on investors in the upper right-hand corner and reach out to us. We're happy to talk to you about investing in the cannabis industry and help you assess what uh, the right course of action is for you going forward. Uh, we feel very strongly about giving back to the community 
uh, at Canopy Boulder and helping more investors have greater success in investing in the cannabis industry because the more success they have, the more money that comes back in is reinvested in the cannabis industry, which is going to help uh, create a fast-growing, profitable, and sustainable industry going forward. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you like what we were talking about, we have other podcast episodes that are probably worth listening to. Um, but definitely do like, share, give us a good review. If you like what we're doing, it certainly helps us reach more people going forward. Uh, thank you very much for your time, and uh, thanks for listening to the Canopy Boulder podcast. Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.